Hey, welcome back, everyone, uh, to The Way It Is. This is your host, Luca Andalfato with Remax Service First Realty. Um, I do have a topic today, uh, but before we get to that, um, I'm in a bit of a solemn mood today. Um, might be the weather a bit, but, uh, um, and I've never made this platform a political one. Um, I'm not saying I'm starting now, but uh, in light of recent events, and I was negligent last week in, uh, in addressing it, but um, I'm going to ask any of you that are listening that either uh, you can press pause, but I would ask you that you take about a 30 second pause to just have a cognitive thought about A, the 215 children bodies that were discovered in Kamloops, BC, which is uh, just a deepening, darker stain on Canada's history and our conscience. And, um, and then for this four family of four that was taken away by the acts of a young, obviously misguided, misunderstood individual. So in London, Ontario. So I would ask that if you have the opportunity and you'd like to pause this for 30 seconds and, and give that a thought. So today's podcast, Canadian stress test 2.0. <laughs> We're doing it again. The first one wasn't good enough, so we had to go back. So, and I think I've talked about this in previous podcasts. Um, uh, I'm sure we've touched, we've touched on with the mortgages and the rates and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's, and one of the reasons this has come up a, is because this just came into place, uh, and, um, and dealing with one of my licensed assistants, Sam Myers, we were talking about uh, a topic for this week cause I had a guest, but they couldn't, uh, they had to uh, reschedule at the last minute. And, uh, he said, you got to talk about the stress test. He goes, everybody's person I'm having a conversation with is asking me about it. So, and that stands to reason because apparently 50% of Canadians don't really know what the heck this is. I'm part so, of that. <laughs> so, and I'm here with Ben. Sorry, Ben, I got distracted there with my deep in thought there, but I'm here with Ben Myers, of course, my fabulous uh, videographer and, and a guru of podcasting. And uh, so we're going to do a bit of a Q&A and, &A and, um, and I already stole the first one from, from him, but I'll, I'll just answer, <laughs> go on and talk about this one and then you can go on with the rest. But yeah. So, I mean, it's obviously a test that was designed to tackle um, household debt issues uh, in Canada. And, uh, you know, the concern is that Canadians are getting over indebted and uh, basically leveraged up to their eyeballs. And uh, and then I think the ultimate uh, thing is to, to make sure that uh, these young buyers or any buyers when they're entering the marketplace aren't doing it on on a shoestring on a shoestring budget. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, OK, Ben, you. Uh, you you go. Let's do. Well, it already sounds like this is kind of you know perfectly segueing from last week's episode of when shit hits the fan to to now because you know it is important when you're you know planning to put so much money down for an investment you got to make sure you actually have ever, the funds available. Um, so kind of going from that big question is how, how does the bank determine what you know an individual can afford how can what can i afford well yeah so i mean there's there's two uh well several criteria first uh first and foremost truthfully uh for those of you listening is is a credit bureau report is is uh, key one 
you really need a strong credit bureau and, and credit history. And by that, I mean uh, a track record of, of credit. Uh, it's, not, it's not a bad thing to have credit, meaning visas and uh, lines of credit and, and those kinds of things. Um, but you need to have a stellar history of repayment of not outstanding amounts in excess, uh, a chronic history of missing payments or not making payments on time that affects your credit score. Um, you know, so, and now, and, um, you know, credit scores have changed from before it used to be a, a rating of A and R. R is, it was alphabetical and now it's numerical. So it's a beacon score as they refer to it as. And anything essentially over 650, you're in a good, you're in a good credit place, meaning that you've, you know, you've got credit, you're paying off your bills, you're, you're, you know, you're not letting things lapse, those kinds of things. So, and I know for those, um, and here's just a tip for anyone trying to uh, uh, establish credit, um, fastest, best way to do it, go to your bank, prepay a visa for a thousand bucks or 2000 bucks, Start using it and pay off the balance every time you use it. And that will automatically start establishing that you have a credit pattern, a good pattern and a history of, of paying off debt. So, okay. okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, now, some of these questions, most of these questions are from my brother that he sketched up here. Uh, one of the big ones here is what happened June 1st? So June 1st is when the, the stress test, the revised stress test came into to practice. That's when all lenders started to use this new test. So mm -hmm. previously in the old stress test, the, um, so we all know rates are rock bottom right now. You can get variable rates for as low as 1.55%, uh, fixed rates for as low as 2.09 uh, and maybe even lower. Um, and so, but what the government how now is mandated is that anybody buying a home. So it doesn't mean whether you're a first time buyer, third home, uh, putting 20% down, which is the threshold to avoid uh, high, high ratio financing, meaning being underwritten by Canada Mortgage and Housing or some of the other private ones that are out there. Uh, regardless, you need to qualify based on your income based on your credit, based on your, you know, all of those other factors that, and, you know, going back to the previous question about how do you, you know, how do banks establish qualifications? So it's credit, employment, uh, years of employment, mm -hmm. uh, gross income, obviously, and uh, and then some other factors. The, the property that you're buying then also becomes a variable as well, because certain lenders won't lend in certain properties in certain areas and, and all the rest of it. But so back then, the, the, the rate that anyone had to qualify for was 4.79%. So as you, as you can see, significantly higher than the rate that you're going to get out in the marketplace. So now they changed that from 4.79 to 5.25. So uh, basically a 0.5% increase, 0.46 increase. And so now again, you, if you're going into the bank and saying, I'm thinking about buying a house. Okay, that's fine. What's your income? Da, da, da. And now there's two, and I'm going to skip ahead because uh, there's two um, uh, determining ratios that a lender uses. So gross debt service ratio, GDS, 32% 
different lenders use it differently, but it hovers around 32% of anyone's gross income can go towards mortgage, taxes, and some form of utility component hmm. to buy a home, all hmm. right? Um, and so with the stress test, when you're qualifying for that mortgage rate and the payments are X, that's gonna predetermine how much of your gross income can go towards those costs. The second component to that is called TDS, total debt service ratio. And this is as high as between 40 and even I've heard as high as 44% again. And I've actually heard the GDS as high as 39%. Again, it varies from lender to lender, from situation to situation. But the TDS is everything that the gross debt service incorporates, meaning a mortgage payment, taxes, a utility component, plus any payment for outside debt, car loan, boat loan, CDU loan, <laughs> uh, outstanding credit card loan or debt, uh, outstanding line of credit, uh, library card you didn't pay, all of those other things that you've got outstanding, school, school uh, tuition, uh, or student loans rather, sorry, thank mm -hmm. you, came, just came to me. Mm -hmm. All those get lumped into this outside debt thing. So then again, now what the banks are saying is, okay, no more than 40 to 44% of your total gross income can count towards those costs. Because then you're gonna need the other 56 to um, meet living, right? Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. Jeez. So that increase, sorry, just to go back then. So no, that yeah. increase now of 0.5% and, and, and um, is, sorry, I don't follow, question scripts are a good bend because i'm jumping ahead but anyway <laughs> it's, it's it's here now so i'm going to talk about it but yeah, yeah. Um, it's um so what that's it, the practical application of that is let's say you could afford to buy a four hundred thousand dollar house uh or if you even or get a four hundred thousand dollar mortgage now all you're going to get is three hundred and eighty thousand dollars that's the real life translation of what that means in terms of now you've eliminated that much buying power from every buyer's pocket. So it is essentially just sucked away a certain percentage of money that you would in, you know, before the uh, new stress test ha happened on June 1st, that money is right. gone. That, so post yeah. June 1st, if yeah. you were looking at, at, at a house uh, for X, yeah. now you're, it's $20,000 less that you have to, in your pocket to buy it. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and that's just across the entire board. Eh? That's it's across the spectrum. Yep. Yeah. That's so. the stress test treats everyone equally. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. So was there reasons for this um, significant change? Well, I mean, uh, yeah, of course, the <laughs> government and uh, nobody wants to leave things alone. And of course, the speed and the, the volatility of the market is a concern for perceived concern for everybody and and the biggest we've heard all the comments about affordable housing people getting priced out of the market and everything else and and i mean there's a lot of material there to have an infinite number of podcasts and i'm not here to debate um what the government should do right now to to create affordable housing that's uh but 
So basically, they were trying to put the brakes, pump the brakes on the on the real estate market. Um, oh, they, the term it was overheating, and they needed to cool it down. Um, and I'm guessing that they were trying to maybe just rein in some buyer behavior because we were hearing all of those stories of people bidding, you know, 150,000 over asking, 200 over asking, whatever, right? And, mm-hmm. and of course, it varies center to center, but yeah. So I think yeah. it was. The, the premise and, and the, the intent was to try to um, put the brakes on that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, so you mentioned like the perceived concern in those situations. Um, you know, is there an actual legitimacy to this kind of fear that, you know, there might be another big housing bubble burst or something along the uh, lines? God, yeah. So... No, I mean, there's there's no bubble. Um, there really isn't. Um, and um, even them trying to do this to take the air out of it a little bit is is I I think it's uh, I think it's misguided, and I think it has unintended consequences that are probably far worse than than the um, uh, intended uh, positives. Mm-hmm. Um, no, because what. I don't know if I've said this on air or not, but the reason I know what's happening now, I, I don't, I'm not saying that it won't, it cannot sustain it. I don't think it can sustain itself is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it will run its course. The big unknown is how long and when is it going to be the end of this year? Personally, and I've said this to people that I deal with and, and anybody that asked me, I see it going to the end of this year, possibly even the end of Q1. And again, going back to previous podcasts, for those of you that are watching or listening and paying attention, you would remember the underlying principles here that are conspiring to these processes are scarcity of inventory, which is even worse. In fact, in Kingston area, and and my clients know this because we send them updates, um, residential inventory is down almost 50% from year to date. Wow. So, yeah. And yeah. you still have buyers, you still have demand. So that's a simple economics, no supply or very little supply, a lot of demand. Mm-hmm. This is going to continue on for a while. Um, I, I think the, so it's not a bubble. Now, what will happen after this thing sort of, if there becomes potentially a satiation of, of demand is we're going to see it and hope, hopefully that's, careful how to choose my words. I don't want to sort of offer um, that to mean anything other than I think it's going to go back to a sustained, uh, a more balanced market in the sense that appreciation now is at, you know, between 35 to 46% in certain centers, right? So Mm -hmm. even if it drops by half, (laughs) we're still at 15 to 20% appreciation, right? So that's yeah. still a very stable market, a very strong market. There's still buyers operating in the marketplace. Now, foreseeably, you may not get 25 offers on a home. You may get five offers on a home. It may become at least a little bit more palatable for the players in the marketplace and less frenetic and less frenzied, if you will. Yeah. So, well, so is it? Well, I was talking with Sam about this the other day. Is it majority outside buyers? And what I mean, like, you know, people from outside of Kingston. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of them. I'm not going to lie to you. A lot of them. And in fact, uh, you know, I'm part of a, uh, 
real estate Facebook group, and uh, you know, an agent made a post there on last on the weekend that she, they were out showing properties and ran into more out of town agents they didn't know than to local agents that they did know. So, and, and we, it, it's every day. Uh, today, I had three calls from uh, from agents outside in the GTA asking about properties here and wanting to come in with their clients. And uh, that's that's the that's the new wave. That that's a that's what's happening. Period. I mean, mm-hmm. I've said it before. Just because we're licensed to sell in Ontario doesn't mean you should. But we are experiencing. And and again, so yes, the stress test will affect those markets. But let's understand this. There's still people, again, that every day somebody wakes up, they've won the lottery. Their their property just increased by X number of dollars, right? So you just got a bunch of free money, tax-free money, in fact, if it's your personal residence, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, So, you know, these people are still making in excess equity that they didn't have the month before, six months before, the year before. So regardless of... A stress test, the affordability factor for those that can still afford it. And let's understand this. COVID, stress test, these types of things mm-hmm. invariably always p- penalize those that were on the on the fence, right? That mm-hmm. were on the edge, right? Yeah. So now it's kicked that young couple, if they were working hard and they had good jobs and they had no debt or whatever, now it's just put them on the sidelines because now they can't afford to do what they originally wanted to do, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. those that have always have. Yeah. So, so for the the buy and sell market, and with this new um, stress test, what do you think the landscape's going to be like post COVID? With um, you know the assumption that a, a decent more amount of uh, property in Kingston will now have been like outside owned at that point. Yeah, but let's understand what they're doing too. It's yeah. not uh, a lot of these people are coming here to live. Yeah. You oh, know? yeah. I mean, so it's not. Yeah. People are realizing that, like, you don't you don't want to always live in around the GTA anymore. That's and they still just want some big city amenities. So they're right. Kind of like Kingston. So it Absolutely. Sense, yeah. Geographically, again, Kingston yeah. is is sought after. Uh, but the, you know, the speculative side of things mm-hmm. is. Um, I don't see that. I mean, there's we're dealing with a lot, a lot of investors buying here mm-hmm. um, for the simple reason that. Um, the math still makes some sense here if you buy an investment property. Uh, and that's the reason why uh, that's adversely affecting the residential market in general simply because inventories now going to a different marketplace than potentially what it was originally intended for, which is you trying to buy your first house when someone else is going to say, I'm going to buy it and rent it out instead. Mm-hmm. So now they've eliminated that opportunity from you in order to buy it as an investment property. So that's happening quite often now, right? So, and, and, and it's a different value proposition. It's a different thing. And, and it works both ways. Let's don't, I'm not trying to paint, uh, you know, uh, these, these buyers, the residential buyers as victims because it works both ways because as investors, and I've seen it when we've been in situations to offer multiple offers that a residential buyer actually, um, has more leverage than an investor because an investor is about the dollars and cents, right? At the end of the day, you can't go goofy with a with an overbidding because the math just won't make sense at, at the end of it. Where a residential buyer now, it's that intrinsic value of you know uh, the emotional side of it. So if I'm yeah. going to be there for another, if I'm going to be here for the next five years, yeah, what what's twenty thousand dollars if I drop an extra twenty thousand dollars? As long as I can afford it and the and the budget works and yeah. you know so the value proposition it's hard to compete 
investors, it's hard to compete with those types of buyers, right? Yeah, that's so. true. And, you know, I'm sure those there's a lot of those people that are either kind of moving up to a new home. They've been saving for a while. They have like the money necessary to try and outbid some that's of those. That's right. Up, or the, or the upgrade, the upgrade now. And that's, yeah. it's, it's only upgrade. Yeah. Let's, let's understand this because I'm dealing with some clients too now of an older demographic that are thinking of selling. And the days of the lateral moves, from what I've seen, are gone. Like you are not moving laterally. The only way you're going to re if you're going to sell your property and, and, and get all this gain and you want to go back in the marketplace, you better be ready to really put yourself into a different position if, of what type of house you're looking. If you're wanting to put some of that cash in your, in your pocket and save it for any day, you either going to decide to rent, you know, yeah. because now that now renting maybe makes sense if depending on what stage of your life you're in. Um, but if you're going to want to buy something, you know, those days where someone would say, I'm going to sell for X and I'm going to get the same house and now, you know, get all this equity. No, because if you want to improve, you're now spending that and then some to get to the next level. Right. Mm -hmm. So, well, so kind of moving on from the improvement side of things, you know, if you're looking to improve, like obviously like the center downtown core, or even just like heading out of Kingston, you know, you'll find places that could easily be fixed up for, you know, a, a decent amount of money. But more than ever, Kingston's been seeing huge amounts of new developments of s suburban houses, especially across the causeway. Yeah. Um, for, you know, I think a lot of Kingstonians favor space more than anything. You know, we're not getting the excessively tiny yards that, say, Torontonians uh, get. Well, no, no, we're getting that. Sorry, yeah, I'm going to check yeah. you on that, Ben, because uh, the new developments now, the minimum, used to be you'd be able to get 60-foot lots or 50-foot lots, and now yeah. now they're pretty much 35 or 45 maximum and stuff. So they're... So the, the developers, yeah. the developers and the builders, not so much the builders, but the developers, because it's, again, you have to maximize your profit in terms of the cost of the land and the cost of developing that land. So you want to try to cram in really as many lots as you can, serviceable lots as you can. So mm -hmm. we are seeing that there are certain sub new subdivisions that have that. And, and, but that's why we're also seeing if you can, if you notice, uh, I mean, there are builders still building track builders, still building detached single family homes, but also um, a lot of the project is semi-detached in townhomes, right? Because mm -hmm. now you're building blocks of them. It's uh, it, it's economies of scale. You've got volume building. You've got, you know, you're doing f uh, five roofs at a time or four roofs at a time, four basements at a time. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cost savings. And mm -hmm. uh, several years ago, the official plan uh, changed in Kingston, but all municipalities, most municipalities across Ontario, where um, they wanted to start seeing a diversity and a mix of dem socioeconomic demographics and new subdivisions, right? Because that's where people were getting left out of subdivisions, right? If it's all big, just single family homes on 60 foot lots, yeah. then that's only a certain type of buyer that can afford to buy in there. So now they want to have a mix of these townhomes, of these uh, uh, semi-detached and then single families. Uh, that being said, I know for a fact that one builder in town in a development just down the street here uh, just released their new townhomes and, and units start with a six in the number in the price. So it's, it's not like it's a townhome for $350,000 anymore. So. No, no, absolutely not. Yeah. So do you think this is the, the the way of Kingston for the future? For the yeah, family? yeah. You know, yeah. I think... Uh, and I've always thought this from for a, a while now. I mean, Kingston... Um, 
it's kind of been stuck uh, for a little bit in terms of its growth and where it's going. And, it has uh, felt very stagnant. Yeah. yeah. So, and now, uh, because I've always said, everybody always wonders, you know, you, it's always that that theory in urban, you know, um, uh, urbanism or um, urban planning. And uh, that, you know, when does a municipality reach sort of like a critical mass, right? And once it reaches a critical mass that, and by that I mean a population size and density mm -hmm. that now allows it to do other things vis-a-vis -vis services and amenities like a convention center, like a, another theater, like, a, a, um, you know, those things that you would now see, you know, how did Toronto become Toronto? It didn't happen overnight, but I mean, it, it, it's, it, so in Kingston's, you know, it's 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 moving in that direction, which is I, I think a good thing. Uh, I think it's only going to benefit. And it, well, it has to move in that direction because now we're we're getting into a population base that there just aren't going to be enough services and amenities to support the influx of of uh, inhabitants. Right? In, yeah, it's true. We area. we used so. to be able to keep most things, you know, downtown or you know there was obviously like amenities in like the West End. But yeah, with the huge amount of developments across the causeway now, like I've been seeing more and more stores and shops. Yeah, and stuff which to is great. Service those areas. I mean, that, yeah, and, and with that fixed link going across now, which will be done next sometime next year, maybe. Um, <laughs> well, it is Kingston Construction. Yeah, you shouldn't so, push it. Well, that's a big project. But <laughs> that is. being said, um, you know, that's only going to allow people to commute in and out of the, the different areas, right? Yeah. So it's going to be a boon to to both the, the city, the downtown, and, and to that area too. Yeah. Um, for those that choose to want to live there or work there. I mean, again, D&D &D is a large employer, uh, you know, military. And, uh, and so that'll afford... The benefit of that is it'll afford those that um, feel they don't want to live in that area of the city for whatever reason can commute back and forth quite quite easily, right? So it's a, yeah, that those kinds of things are going to be necessary and 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 worthwhile improvements that will only um, uh, augment the the you know the the strength of the municipality going forward for sure yeah of course so. and like th this is still years in the com in, in the work oh yeah 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 right? i mean i always yeah. i had a number in my head and i literally pulled this one out of pretty much thin air um but i felt that if kingston's core population could get to like two hundred and fifty thousand, mm -hmm. that would definitely propel it to that next echelon of municipality right where now all of a sudden you're i mean kingston's already sort of the regional center mm -hmm. but it would just then take it to a, a level where these things would be required right and so now you're going to get outside investment coming in you're going to get other players coming in. you're going to get more manufacturing coming back you're going to get more uh, it just leads to all kinds of I mean, and again we started to see that with the frulact factory with the uh the milk factory with uh i mean there's all kinds of uh businesses coming into the area that we're, we're we're unaware of that are starting to put roots down here and whatnot so. yeah absolutely you know we're not just this uh kind of town in between ottawa and toronto no anymore. no and and we're not and, and we're not as sleepy as we used to be and then that's the yeah. thing and i still but i still see it you know i have uh, some folks that are coming here um relocating and they're uh, and and so 
you know, they're probably, they're, they'd love to stay in their marketplace, but now they're coming for work, but uh, their yeah. marketplace is, it's, uh, you know, uh, just outside the GTA and, you know, um, we're talking starting at a million, right? Where here they can still come to Kingston and still get something for $550,000. It may not, right? But mm -hmm. it's still a house. It may not be the perfect house, but it's still going to be a place that you can, you can get into, right? So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I, th I feel like we, uh, we're equal parts on topic and s kind of slipped off the stress yeah, test yeah, conversation kinda, there. Yeah, we kind of strayed a bit. We got, sure. got into the, the, the future of uh, <laughs> Kingston real estate there. But I mean, I honestly think it's it's a good thing to talk about speculation because there are still a lot of people who are first, you know, looking foreseeably to the long-term future. You know, I, you know, if I was to look at my current reality, it's it's still a toss up whether I want to stay in Kingston and invest more time into the next decade of my life being here, mm -hmm. or you know take the plunge, go rent in Toronto, and it, so it, it it's it's a fair point you know to kind yeah of think I mean about those that. are I mean again those are those are personal value based decisions on on you almost have to do a cost benefit analysis on that in terms of your personal life in terms of what's the gain by moving there do what uh, yeah. what, what what opportunities will come to me uh that makes this cost worth doing versus staying in kingston because exactly. if you stay in kingston then you may not have the opportunities that you'd have outside of here and yet though you know but on the flip side it, because there's less competition in kingston you can stay here make a better name for yourself yeah so it, it, yeah, you're right. It yeah, all depends. And, I, and I'm going to say this out loud, and people are going to get mad at me. But relatively speaking, Kingston is still a, 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 an inexpensive place to live. I'm going to say mm -hmm. that out loud. And housing is still relatively inexpensive. I know the locals are probably going to try to lynch me and start a lynch mob, but I'm going to tell you this right now: it's still, relatively speaking, an affordable place to live. So, so um, I already hear the uh, the pitchforks and the torches <laughs> outside. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure. But trust me, trust me. And that's, you know, I was—I uh, I probably shouldn't say it, but anyway, I—I uh, I was test driving vehicles a couple of weeks ago, and uh, in the GT in Oakville, and uh, so I went into this one dealership, uh, and um, you know, I look around and I said, uh, you know, I think to myself, everybody in Kingston says, "Where's the money coming from?" Well, I'm going to tell you, you just had to walk into this dealership and you knew where the money was coming from. Because I'm going to tell you, this dealership was pretty much two blocks large, uh, had a baby grand piano in the lobby and uh, had uh, very high end vehicles in it uh, from stem to stern. And the place was packed. So um, th there's there's money out there in the world. And uh, yeah, and, and, and it's starting to funnel here, which is not a bad thing. There's no denying that, absolutely. And you're right, though. Like, the larger a city grows, the more opportunity there is to kind of hit that point of, like, you know, breach into that upper middle class kind of level yeah. of, you know. And then, yeah, then those homes are more attainable. And, and, and you know, um, I'm just looking at my sheet here now so that we yeah. don't completely go off, uh, yeah, 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 of yeah. course. But um, the, um, you know... It's funny, I had a note here to put about, because I read an article just this morning as well about, you know, the concern with Canadian household debt and indebtedness and, um, you know, and uh, Tiff Macklin, who's the governor of the Bank of Canada there, um, had commented that the, the uh, 
that in itself will lead to a flattening of the marketplace, right? Because I mean, you get to a certain level of debt, then you can't do any more with it, right? Other than 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 maintain it, right? So, yeah. Um, but it's curious because the author of the article reminded, and I I'd known this, and I just I'd forgotten about it. But do you realize that Canada Mortgage and Housing, the start of the pandemic, or maybe a third, a quarter of the way into the pandemic, made a forecast. And their forecast was that we'd actually be the exact opposite of the spectrum that we are today. That values would have dropped by 50%, that the market was gonna be in the toilet, and that was it. We're heading into a recession. Well, mm -hmm. just goes to show you that even the experts don't get it right. So anybody that's out there saying it's a bubble and when's the bubble gonna burst, well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're all wrong and we're all right, I guess, in that regard. But anyway, I just thought that yeah. was a humorous little anecdote <laughs> to the conversation. But yeah, um, I mean, so the bubble won't bur might not burst, but like, do you see it's kind of starting to smooth over a bit? No, I don't. Like the, the, the more kind of like, you know, the, the hundred plus over asking price. No, I mean, uh, uh, it just happened to me last night. Uh, place was listed for five forty nine nine, and actually, arguably, priced appropriately. Pat on the back there, but uh, for what it was, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a nice home in, in Henderson Place, but it was only a two bedroom home, and uh, we had, I want to say, at least twenty viewings, and then four offers. So obviously, the, the the configuration lent itself to weeding out some potential buyers being only a two bedroom home, but had a pool, it was in a great area, good sized lot, da, da, da. it sold for $121,000 over asking. Wow. So and yeah. they were local buyers, not out of town buyers, just to be clear. So Oh, yeah. And like, of course, like there is to be something to be said about local buyers wanting to just kind of either downsize upsize or just find something they're more comfortable with especially because the pandemic kind of taught people that well there's not really much point in investing in travel right now might as well invest in a well, place where i'm comfortable absolutely because people have saved a lot of money yeah. those that, that 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 again had it and and still had their jobs and were earning an income were able to save a lot of money the other thing that's um i spoke with a, a mortgage broker that I work with uh, earlier today before this, because I just wanted to get their thoughts on, on you know, this whole stress test thing and stuff. And um, he brought a very interesting point that he's probably busier doing refinances. And, and I want to bring that, I want to just talk on it briefly, um, where, you know, again, people have all this newfound equity in their homes that they didn't have a year ago, that they didn't have six months ago. And regardless of your, you know, and if you did buy your home two years ago and you're three years into your mortgage or two years into your mortgage, I, I recommend to everybody to, to, to get some good quality um, information, consultation with a good mortgage broker because to, re, to refinance, break that mortgage and refinance at today's interest rates, which again, 1.55%, uh, even with the penalty that you would pay for your mortgage, you can do a lot of things and a lot of people what they're doing is they're they're paying off debt 
right? Which that's the, we always hear about, oh, everybody's going into debt. Well, some people how have the benefit and the advantage to take some of this newfound equity and actually consolidate some debt and, and get themselves to a better place where they can, you know, in the next two years time or three years time, then they're going to be better off financially. So, you know, it's not all gloom and doom all the time, or, you know, everyone's going to get snowed under. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that more than anything, especially with the pandemic, it's a lot easier to kind of think about the negatives and the possible repercussions of everything than it is to think about the pluses. Yeah, yeah. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. For sure. For sure. No, absolutely. Well, did we, did we cover everything? Kind of. I think, like, I'm just looking up and down, and we kind of just kind of jumped around. But for the most part, I think, you know, people kind of understand what the changes to the stress tests are what it can affect and yeah you know it it does mean that people will have to start well i guess you know for the most part people will have to shop smarter you know well and and uh you know the other thing is everybody says what happens when rates go up we didn't that we didn't oh, talk about yeah, that and yeah. uh you know and, and will rates go up well of course they're going to go up the history of time has told us that rates go up and rates go down and it's a cycle um, are they going to go up tomorrow? No. Um, and in, in fact, <laughs> those that would have a more informed opinion, rates aren't going to go up till the end of 2022, conceivably even into partway into 2023. And I know everyone's always immediate reaction is, well, you know, you get these big houses and people are overpaying for them and then they get all this big mortgage. What happens if the rates go up? Well, you know what? You got to you got to plan for a rainy day as well. And, you know, while you're at one point five five or two, whatever, then, you know, if rates start to creep up, then, you know, you have options available to you. One importantly is to, you know, either maybe prepay some principal down on your mortgage if you have the availability to do that, in which case then your payments can stay relatively the same. Or again, at, at, depending on if and when, um, and then your home conceivably is going to have that much more equity in it and you'll be able to do the refinance at that point in time in terms of being able to get a mortgage or a payment that's going to be more uh, amenable right mm -hmm. uh, in terms of that but um yeah i mean it, it, i was at the <laughs> sorry i was at the ups store the other day i had to send something off and the the owner who i has gotten to know me quite well because i'm in there far too often but she uh you know, same because everybody's got the same questions, right? Everybody's saying the same thing. So is it is it is it slowing down at all? And you know, I just feel so sorry for these young people that can't buy a house. And I said, you know, the prices are. And I said, I'm going to guess that that was a conversation that happened 50 years ago. I'm going to guess that's a conversation that happened 30 years ago. I'm going to guess this conversation happened 10 years ago between uh, in in households and and in families and saying, oh man, if the prices still keep going up, and and so. And here's my personal rant. I'm going to rant right now, and it's probably going to cost me because I'm sure people are going to get pissed off, but what the heck. Um, you know, this whole thing about, um, you know, people can't afford to buy houses anymore. Well, people seem to forget. I started in late 80s, okay, and I suffered through 1990s when in Kingston, the average five-year mortgage interest rate was 12%. It took an average, an average of 120 days for a house to sell the average so and 
Nobody remembers when you had your house for sale, Ben, at $300,000, and because it was sitting there for 60 days, buyer X comes in and says, hey, you're sitting there for 60 days. I'm going to give you $240,000. How do you like that? <laughs> right? So nobody remembers that side of it when buyers were in control and could buy and take advantage of, this, of a, you know, a buyer's market and everything else. It's a cyclical thing, people. It's going to it's going to happen again and it's going to I mean, I don't think we'll ever go back to the 90s just because of everything we've talked about already, but mm -hmm. So I I guess my point is I I'm not I'm not empathetic, I'm not unsympathetic, but I'm also there's there's two shoes that have to be worn in that uh <laughs> in that relationship. So Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Is that a good spot to end it? I think so. All right. Yeah. Sorry for rambling, everybody. I thought that was, uh, anyway, it was good, though. Good to have the company and, uh, and uh, yeah, get another one done in the books. Thanks, Ben. I appreciate it. No problem. All right. All right.